0: As the Orioles are off to a great start in the 2023 season, it's got a lot of you thinking forward to how the Orioles can add even more to this team. And the best time to do that generally is the trade deadline. We know this team needs starting pitching. Who could they add at the deadline this year? I'll answer that coming up on a mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, May 12th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I am going to open up the Orioles mailbag as the O's had the day off on Thursday after taking two of three from the Tampa Bay Rays earlier this week. They'll start a three-game series with the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight, which I will preview later in the podcast. But right now, a day off means time to take your Orioles questions. We got a lot of mailbag questions in, but going to talk about the trade deadline a lot. Which pitchers the Orioles could target and who they would have to give up. We'll talk about who could potentially be the next Yenier Cano in the Orioles' bullpen. A little bit about John Means' timeline. And the struggles of Gunnar Henderson. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's jump into the mailbag here. Thank you all for sending in your mailbag questions. If you would like to submit a mailbag question for a future episode, you can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com. You can tweet the pod at LockedOnOrioles. The DMs are open. As Well, you can also leave a comment on the YouTube video right here. And in the comment section on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page, we will get to those questions as well down the line. Or you can leave them in the Apple reviews for iTunes or Apple podcasts. And once again, I will get to those mailbag questions. Now, got a lot of good questions here for today's mailbag. Don't have time to get to all of them. If I don't get to them, don't worry. On a future mailbag later this season, if the question still pertains to what's going on with the O's, I will get to it once again. But let's start with our first question, which kind of a long answer, so I want to dedicate a little bit of time to this one. Now, it came from Jacob primarily on Twitter, but also Milo and Bertle and multiple other people asked a similar version of this question for the mailbag. That is, what starting pitchers could the Orioles add at the deadline? Slash, who could even be available when it comes to starting pitchers at this year's trade deadline? So, first of all, I think the reasoning for this question, we would all agree, is that the Orioles' worst part of the team, the weakest link right now, is the starting pitching. And I would love for the O's to add a frontline ace starter. I don't know how many of those are going to be available. I don't know how available Corbin Burns is going to be. But beyond that, there's still starters out there that can really, really help the Orioles. So the question is, who could be available? Now, it's tough to say this. As I record here late afternoon on Thursday, May 11th, we are only, you know, we're not even a quarter of the way into the season. So it's tough to know who is really going to be a seller at the trade deadline come August 2nd. Now, you can start to project out. Some bad teams are already looking really, really bad. But you never know who might sell anyway as they slump or, or whatever it may be by the time we get to early August. But right now, I came up with seven names of starting pitchers who I think could certainly be dealt by the deadline. Now, this does come with a caveat. I am going to talk about some pitchers who are free agents after this year, who are rental players who you would only trade for and get for the rest of 2023, and then they would become free agents. Although I'm going to talk about some of those guys, I don't really think the Orioles are going to target rentals. They haven't done it at all. Maybe they could start doing it now, but the way they value their prospects and their long-term sustained success, whether I agree with it or not, I just don't see them going after rental players if they're going to cost high prospect capital. I can see them going to get a rental who's really cheap. Maybe one lower-level prospect gets you a good player for half a season. I can see them doing that. But anybody like a starting pitcher who's going to take substantial prospects to get – I don't know if they'll go after the rentals, but I will start with the rentals because if these guys maybe get a little cheaper, they still are out there if the Orioles just need kind of a quick fix to the rotation. And the first one I'd say is Lucas Giolito, who has had just such a weird career. The right-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox had like a Cy Young year, then was bad. Now he's kind of looking good again. He's got a 3.59 ERA through eight starts this year. The White Sox are horrendous. And I don't know if the White Sox are going to go full rebuild where they sell off everybody, but I really could see them trading away their pending free agents. Giolito is one of them, and Lance Lynn is another one of them. Now, Lance Lynn has been bad this year. Eight starts, he's got a 7.51 ERA. However, Lance Lynn's been awesome over the past four seasons. From 2019 through 2022, Lynn had a 3.42 ERA in 95 starts in that stretch. He's been great. This is the final year of his deal. It's just not working out like the White Sox would like so far. But it's only eight starts. And as long as he gets a little bit better, I can see him really, really helping out the Orioles' rotation. Last true rental, I would say, is our old friend Alex Cobb. The Giants are concerning. I mean, they just lost a series to the Nationals. They do not look good. Cobb in seven starts this year for the Giants. He has a 2.01 ERA. Let me say that again. Alex Cobb has a 2.01 ERA. He has found that splitter. It is working tremendously. He's missing bats, getting a lot of grounders. He's been fantastic. I think he's going to be highly sought after at the deadline. We'll see what the cost would be and if the O's would want to bring back an old friend in Alex Cobb. But it is interesting that he could be out there. Now, the next guy I want to talk about is technically not a free agent after this year, but probably will be. And that's Eduardo Rodriguez, another old friend who came up with the Orioles before they traded him as a prospect to the Boston Red Sox at the 2014 deadline to get Andrew Miller, had a good career with the Red Sox, became a free agent, and he signed a nice long five-year deal with the Detroit Tigers last offseason. Now, the thing about his deal is it did have an opt-out after two years. So he had pitched his first year last year, had a lot going on, had to leave the team. But he's been back with the Tigers this year. And as we saw, when Rodriguez went six and two-thirds perfect against the Orioles a couple weeks ago, he has been outstanding this year. Like right now, Eduardo Rodriguez is jostling with Shane McClanahan as the front runner for AL Cy Young. Now again, it's been six weeks of the season, but that's how good he's been. Rodriguez has a 1.57 ERA through eight starts this season. He's been awesome. But he's got a very weird contract situation. Now, he has an opt-out. It's a player opt-out after this year. So he can become a free agent after this season if he wants to. If he doesn't want to, he would not be a free agent again until after 2026. So if he didn't opt-out, you would get three and a half years of Eduardo Rodriguez. That would be awesome. But if he's pitching this well... He's going to opt out because he's going to get a lot more money in free agency after this year than he did two off seasons ago. So that would kind of be the caveat, but I would love to have Rodriguez on this staff. Now, the other three guys I put down, none of them are free agents after this year. So maybe that makes them a little more enticing to the Orioles. One is Dylan Cease. He's kind of in the name thrown out there that people think, ah, the White Sox, no way they're going to trade him. Now, he hasn't been good this year, right? A 5 5 8 ERA and eight starts, but he finished second in Cy Young voting last year. He had a 2 2 0 ERA last season. He was the strikeout king. He's got crazy good stuff. He's not a free agent until after 2025. I think this is just a rough start. He's going to be good. That would be maybe even a better haul than Corbin Burns. Cease isn't as good a pitcher, but he's got an extra year of control on the end of it, and you could get him for a little cheaper because he's not pitching as well so far this year. Then you go down to the a lot cheaper options in terms of prospect capital. One would be Anthony Desclafani, another guy from the Giants. Giants have a lot of pitching, but they're just not hitting right now and they're not playing well. But Desclafani has a 2.80 ERA in seven starts. The right-hander has some interesting stuff that he's really revamped over the past couple of years. He's a free agent after 2024, so he signed a two-year 24 million, or he has two years 24 million dollars left on his three-year 36 million dollar deal he signed last year. That'd be a good price for the Orioles to get a guy for a season and a half. And same with Trevor Williams, who's the last guy I'm going to throw out there. He signed a two-year $13 million deal with the Nationals this offseason, and he's been pretty solid. 4-2-5 ERA in seven starts after he had a sub-3-5 ERA with the Mets in 2022. If he starts pitching a little bit better, that could be a really cheap option for the O's to go and get for a year and a half. But that's kind of a look at who could be out there. And there's Plenty of other names that could potentially be out there by the time we get to the trade deadline in August. But I thought that was a pretty solid early look at guys the Orioles could target if they're still winning. They are buyers, and they do want to go after starting pitching. But the next question, the easy follow-up, is obviously, well, what would they have to give up? Well, coming up next, I'm going to answer that, talk about breakout relievers, a little bit about John Means, and a little bit about Gunnar Henderson coming up after this. But first... This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace, transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. And unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience. You're collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. And win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. And there's MLB game weeks every week, and if you rank near the top, you win a variety of great rewards. They can include scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences. So head to sorare.com slash locked on. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E dot com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's sorare.com slash locked on. To start playing today so we're back here on a mailbag episode of the podcast just talked about which starting pitchers could potentially be available for the orioles come deadline time but the next question which i got asked by a lot of people as well frack the moon jeff on twitter mike and Shushbush on email asked me this question as well who could the orioles trade who would the orioles trade who would be untouchable? Basically, what would it take prospect wise or major league player wise to get some of these pitchers? I would say for me, the guy I think the Orioles would have to trade and would maybe be the most likely to part with at this point to get a legitimate starting pitcher at the deadline to help them would be Jordan Westberg. He's been fantastic this year, consensus top 10 Orioles prospect in 129 plate appearances in AAA this season coming into play on Thursday. He was hitting 316, 380 on base, 581 slugging, nine homers, a 140 WRC+. Plus. But he hasn't gotten his shot yet. And now the Orioles do currently have an open spot on the 40-man roster, and Westberg is well over 500 career AAA plate appearances. And Michael Elias talked about, you know, the other day, they're having conversations about bringing Westberg up. It seems like he's getting somewhat close, But Ortiz got there before him, and Vavra is there now before him. And even with Ramon Arias getting injured, it was just a Terran Vavra replacement for the Orioles. We thought something like an injury to one of their main infielders could push Westberg into the bigs. It did not at this point, even with Vavra's struggles. And some of it had to do with they wanted a left-handed hitter, but it still was Terran Vavra. And I think the number two choice would have been Joey Ortiz because he's on the 40-man. Jordan Westberg is not on the 40-man roster at this point, so the Orioles aren't as pressed To call him up. Now, he is Rule 5 eligible this offseason, which means by December, they're going to have to put him on the 40 man no matter what. So you might as well call him up at some point this season. But if you are going to trade him now, he is a little more valuable, especially to rebuilding teams when he's still not on the 40 man roster. They can have a little more roster flexibility with a prospect when they don't have to put him on the 40 man just yet. But he is also a good player to have for another team that's maybe not all in right now but is close to being back to winning because he's big league ready he's been dominant and again 500 plus plus AAA plate appearances so I think this is a guy who could get a really really good arm back to the Orioles and this is not to say that I don't think Jordan Westberg is good or I don't think he could help the Orioles or I think he's a bust or anything like that it's just there's a log jam of infielders there really is And although Westberg could be, and and a lot of people think he is, more talented and a better player than Joey Ortiz, maybe Ortiz helps the Orioles out more right now, and you just can't play all these guys. I know Mateo's been slumping, but he still had a good year. You signed Adam Frazier. You have Taron Vavreau on the roster. you got to play Gunnar Henderson. He's got the highest ceiling of all these guys. And then you got Joey Ortiz, who you like. And Ramon Arias is going to be back at some point. The fact that you didn't call up Westburg for his injury doesn't tell you a lot, but it tells you a little bit. And you still got a guy like Connor Norby there. Jackson Holliday's coming up the ranks. There are guys there for the Orioles. Not that Jordan Westburg is not a guy, but it's a way for the Orioles to kind of trade from their depth, their number one piece of depth, which is infielders in the minor league system. And I just think... Westberg's that guy now some other names I could see Connor Norby as well Cesar Prieto speaking of infielders could go Ramona Rios I could see being traded from the major league team once he gets healthy just because he's going to start getting squeezed out I think at some point Hudson Haskin and John Rhodes in terms of outfielders in the minors that are good players just might never get that shot at the big league roster in terms of pitchers maybe a guy like Noah Denoyer who could get squeezed out even though he's on the 40 man maybe a Gene Pinto type who, you know, needs to go somewhere else to kind of get that next step of development potentially, or even a Heston Kerstad. You know, I love Kerstad, and he's been amazing this year, and he homered again on Thursday morning. They played an 11 a.m. game in Bowie, and he homered again. But it could be a guy where you capitalize on how good he's been and go get a legitimate Major League pitcher. Those are all guys I could see. Grayson Rodriguez not being traded. Gunnar Henderson's not being traded. Jackson Holliday's not being traded. I do don't think Colton Kowser is being traded, but I feel like anybody else is kind of on the table right now for the Orioles if they really want to add to this major league team. Next question comes from Jake Ness on Twitter who asks, who is the Orioles' next breakout reliever? I assume meaning who could be the next Ian Kano, because Kano has been a revelation for the Orioles this year. I'm going to give you two names, both currently in AAA pitching mostly out of the bullpen. One is Darwinson Hernandez who the Orioles traded for, acquired him from the Red Sox this offseason for cash, ended up DFAing him, he cleared waivers, they got him in AAA, but he's off the 40-man roster. Hernandez has had amazing stuff his whole career, and he's pitched a solid amount in the big leagues with the Red Sox before coming over to Baltimore, but the command has been such an issue that he hasn't been able to sustain time in the major leagues. Well, the command's still an issue, but in 10 innings in AAA so far this year coming into play Thursday, He's got a 2.7 ERA, 16 Ks in 10 innings. Now he has walked nine batters, which is still a concerning walk rate, almost one per inning. And he is 26 years old, but the fastball-curveball-slider combo is devastating. And if he can just get his walks down a little bit, I can see him being just the left-handed version of Yenier Cano, where he finally learns how to throw strikes. And all of a sudden, he's getting everybody out at the major league level. The other guy I actually have higher hopes for in this role is Chris Vallemont. Vallemont was kind of an interesting story where he was in Double A with the Twins last year, but he was on the forty-man roster because they protected him from the Rule Five Draft. He had a horrendous start to the year, and the Twins DFA'd him. The Orioles claimed him, had him hold a forty-man roster spot throughout the season. Put him in double-A, basically fixed him. He dominated double-A. He got to triple-A. Then they DFA'd him in the offseason, but luckily for the O's, he passed through waivers, so he's now in the org just off the 40-man roster. He's been great this year in kind of a starting, relieving hybrid role. 23 and two-thirds innings, he's allowed just 13 hits while striking out 29 batters and walking 12. He's got a 2.66 ERA and a 159 batting average against him. It's a really good fastball. It's 92-94, to 94, but with great ride. It almost rises up on a hitter, gets a lot of swings and misses. And the pitches he came in with that you know really caught your eye were the slider and the curveball. He had this big breaking stuff, a lot of spin, a lot of break. We were excited by that. But it seems like lately, it's been the changeup that actually Valamont has continued to develop that's just been nasty. In his last outing, when he pitched four strong scoreless innings, he got eight whiffs, on 17 swings on that changeup. And in total that day, he got 18 whiffs on 40 swings. That is a 45% whiff rate. That is considered elite for one single pitch. When you do that in an entire game, that is nuts. That is a crazy whiff rate in a game. He's got some really, really good stuff. And he's not even really throwing his slider and curveball that much right now. It's really fastball changeup, which makes me think he could kind of cut one of the breaking balls, move to a full relief roll. And really be good for the O's down the road. Next question came from two people in in kind of similar fashions. Panorama Jazz Band on YouTube. Steven sent it in as well. A bunch of other people have asked this question over the past couple of weeks. I feel like I've given updates on John Means periodically. But want to give another one here. The question is kind of what can we expect from John Means once he's back? What role will he play? Who could he replace in the real starting rotation kind of that question all bundled up into one what i will say is we don't really have any further updates about john means health-wise since the last time i talked about it the last update was he's throwing bullpens he's now throwing all of his pitches including the breaking balls and the changeup. so he's pretty much throwing everything now it's just about building up throwing from further and further, higher velocities, getting himself ready. The Orioles have continued to say, hey, it's going to be right around the All-Star break, probably right after the All-Star break, late July, when Means would return to the big league mound. And it all depends on how his rehab outings go in the minor leagues. Once he starts them, probably sometime in about a month to six weeks from now. But other than that, that's the big timeline update. As far as what he'll look like when he comes back, I think the big thing to know is don't expect him to be the version of John Means we saw right before the injury. Like, the version of John Means we saw in 2021 and, you know, those first couple starts in 22 before he got injured and had the Tommy John surgery last April. That's not going to be the John Means we see. It's, it's going to be more like a pulled-back John Means a little bit They're going to make sure he's fully ready before they get him on a big league mound. He may not even be a starter as soon as he arrives. They may put him in the bullpen. Remember, he actually started his Orioles career in the bullpen, made the 2019 opening day roster as a long reliever, had some really, really good relief outings, and then early that season they moved him to the rotation. And, of course, he became an all-star, finished third in the AL Rookie of the Year that year. But I could see him being like a bridge man, stretch guy in the bullpen for a little bit as they build him up more and maybe they give themselves a little more time to make the decision of who he will replace in the rotation. Now, sometimes these things work themselves out, whether a guy gets injured, somebody starts to struggle, whatever it may be. But I think he will be in the starting rotation by the end of this year. But what I will caution you on, don't expect kind of the best version of John Means, the no-hitter version of Means, the dominant version of Means we've seen many times over the past few years. Don't expect that John Means to be back until 2024. We'll get a good John Means at some point this year, but don't expect full John Means until 2024. And the last question here comes from Cam on Twitter who asks, what would it take for Gunnar Henderson to be demoted to AAA this season? This is a question I've got in multiple forms as well this year because... It hasn't been great, right, for Gunnar Henderson to start the year. Has a great month of September after he's called up last year. He's the heavy favorite to win AL Rookie of the Year this year. Makes the roster, going to be the Orioles' everyday third baseman. And it's been a struggle at the plate. And 122 plate appearances this year for Henderson at the big league level. He's hit just 175. Now his 344 on-base percentage is impressive because despite the hitting struggles, he's got a 20% walk rate, which is still top five in all of baseball. He is top five in walks. In the major leagues right now, despite not hitting, but he's only got a 320 slugging because he's only hit three homers and he hasn't had that many hits, to be honest. So he's still a below average offensive player right now. He's at a 94 WRC plus, which means all in all, he's been 6% worse than a league average hitter. A lot of that is because he's been so good at walking that he's still getting himself close to league average. But he does have a 30% strikeout rate. Last year, the highest rate of qualified hitters in the big leagues was 34%. So for context, that's striking out a lot, 30%. He's worth .1 war, according to Fangraphs. They basically say he's slightly above a league average player, which means he's still playing good defense. He's getting better and better at third base. To answer Cam's question, almost nothing right now could get Henderson sent down to AAA. A lot of that is because... The Orioles believe in him. He's making good swing decisions. He's the top prospect. They know the talent is there. They saw it at the end of last year. This is really still just a bad month when you're looking at it at this point. But the other big reason is Ramon Arias is on the injured list, and it could be a while for Ramon Arias with that left hamstring strain, which means Gunnar Henderson is the everyday third baseman right now. So, especially with Arias out, you are absolutely not going to demote Gunnar Henderson. Now, if Arias comes back in a month, Henderson is still struggling this bad, the walks start to go down and the defense starts to go down, that's what I think it would take for Henderson to go down. So I would say at the end of June, he's still hitting under 200, the walk rate is down, the strikeout rate's still high, and his defense is shaky, and Arias is back and healthy. I think that would have to be the imperfect storm, you could say, to send Henderson down. Otherwise... He's not going down. He's still been a productive enough hitter. We know it's there. He's got to be a little more aggressive, but the swing decisions are there. The power is there. The swing is there. The hard contact is there. He's a kid, right? He's played two months in the big leagues. He's 21 years old. He will be fine. He will be fine, all right? The Orioles' offense has still been great, basically without him. He will be fine by the All-Star break, I think we're going to completely forget about this slump. He's going to be hitting the ball and hitting in the middle of the Orioles' order. That'll do it for the questions here on today's Mailbag episode. But did get to want to get to one piece of Orioles news and notes and preview this Orioles Pirates series that's coming up this weekend. That is after the break. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is also brought to you by game time. Now, I am going to the Orioles game tonight, Friday night. Make sure to come and say hi if you would like. Uh, Happy to meet anyone and talk Orioles, watch the game, O's and Pirates. But, you know, I'm probably going to buy tickets at the last minute. And game time, they make it super easy because they've got killer deals on last minute tickets and they have their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. And the GameTime app you download it is really, really easy to use. They give you images of the seat view. So if you're going to maybe a new stadium or a new part of the ballpark, you don't quite know what it's going to look like. Seat view right there. Boom. And they've got event cancellation protection. Really everything you need in a ticket app. And you don't have to plan months in advance to get these tickets, you can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for baseball right on game time and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So finish up the mailbag on today's episode. Just wanted to update you on a couple of Orioles news and notes and then preview this weekend series between the Orioles and the Pirates. Let's start with the news. The O's did make a roster move that was announced on Thursday. After the game on Wednesday, the Orioles optioned left-handed pitcher drew Rom down to AAA Norfolk. Now, Rom came up on Tuesday. If he did pitch, it would have been his major league debut for the 23-year-old left-hander who was starting and pitching very, very well in Norfolk. But I mentioned on the podcast on Wednesday after the Orioles called him up that I wouldn't be surprised if he was just here for a couple days as kind of an emergency long relief option and then the Orioles would send him back down to AAA before he you know, even had to make his next start in AAA or once Dylan Tate or Michael Givens was ready. Now, as I record this here, about 5 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, May 11th, the Orioles have not announced the corresponding move for Drew Rom. It has to be a pitcher. You know, they can't carry an extra hitter. So a pitcher is going to come up for Friday's game. Now, it probably won't be announced until Friday. You may already know who it is. But it feels like it's going to be either Dylan Tate or Michael Givens. And if it has to be one... It's probably going to be Tate because Michael Givens just pitched back to back days for the first time in his rehab assignment. He pitched Wednesday night for Bowie, two thirds of an inning, two runs, one hit, a walk, and no strikeouts. And then he pitched Thursday afternoon for Bowie, one third of an inning, one run, one hit, one walk, no strikeouts. He had been great in his first three outings, those were a little shaky. But no matter the shakiness, they're not going to call him up Friday because you don't want to use him three days in a row. So he literally wouldn't be available on Friday. So there's no need to call him up, which means I think Dylan Tate might be finally rejoining the Orioles on Friday. The 29-year-old righty who has had some issues with the forearm and the elbow this offseason has been on some rehab appearances. And it hasn't been great, I will say like to fully admit what's going on with dylan tate six outings five innings five strikeouts but he has a 14.4 era and he has uh certainly been walking some guys as well from time to time he's got three of those under his belt but his last two outings have been scoreless one of them was in Bowie on saturday then the other one was with norfolk on wednesday pitched a scoreless inning one hit one walk, no strikeouts, but no runs as well after he had given up multiple runs in three consecutive appearances with Bowie. Now, in terms of the stuff, we did get Statcast data for the AAA appearance he made on Wednesday. It was only 12 pitches, so you can't dig too, too much into what happened, but he threw four sinkers. They were 93 to 95, so pretty much what you usually see from Dylan Tate. He got one whiff on the pitches that he threw. One whiff was on the sinker. He threw three four-seamers, again, 94, 95, his usual. He threw three change-ups, 83 to 84, his usual stuff. And he threw two sliders, again, 80 to 81, his usual stuff. So stuff-wise, velocity-wise, it looked normal. Spin rate-wise, the stuff was pretty normal for Dylan Tate. That's mostly what you're looking for when a guy's coming back from injury. Yes, the results aren't amazing. The one concerning thing I would say is he got, in total... One whiff on six swings. He did not have a called strike of his 12 pitches. He had two foul balls. He had three balls in plays, and he had one swing and miss. No called strikes, which may be a little concerning, but hey, the velocity's there. The spin rates are there. I do think we're going to see Dylan Tate activated on Friday. If it's not Dylan Tate, you could see maybe uh, a Nick Vespi potentially come up or a Logan Gillaspie just to maybe extend it out a few more days in the bullpen before Tate or Givens are ready. But it kind of feels like this could be Dylan Tate time as the Orioles take on the Pirates. I want to preview that series real fast here before I let you all go. Orioles and Pirates for three games at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. That starts tonight here on Friday. It's a 7.05 p.m. Eastern time start. The Pirates at 21 and 17. Remember when they were really good? The Pirates have lost 9 of 10 since they were really good. Um, It's kind of been a disaster. They lost 2 of 3 at home to the Rockies this week. They are looking a lot more like the Pirates that we thought they would be over the last two weeks. Kyle Bradish will get the start for the Orioles here in game 1. He will go up against a right-hander in Johan Oviedo for the Pittsburgh Pirates who another guy who had a really great start to the year and has really struggled lately. He's got a 5.59 ERA in 7 starts over 37 innings. In each of his last two starts, he's allowed six or more runs, including his last one against the Blue Jays, 5 innings, 6 runs, 10 hits, 3 Ks and 3 walks. The Orioles should be able to tee off On Oviedo, on Friday night, I'll be in the ballpark. Then on Saturday night, another 7.05 start. Tyler Wells gets the ball for the Orioles, and he will go up against Rancy Contreras, the young right-hander who came up to the big leagues last year for the Pirates, one of their top pitching prospects. The 23-year-old has a 4.74 ERA in seven starts, 31 Ks in 38 innings. And again, he's been roughed up lately. His last start against the Blue Jays, five innings, five runs, nine hits four Ks and three walks. And then the series finale is on Sunday, a 1.35 p.m. Eastern time start. Kyle Gibson will go for the Orioles in that one. And for the Pirates, they will throw the guy who has been their ace this year. It's the 27-year-old righty Mitch Keller who seems to have finally figured things out this year. He's got a 2.72 ERA in eight starts, 56 Ks in 50 innings, His last start against the Rockies was a dandy. Complete game shutout, four hits, eight Ks, and one walk. So that could be the troubling matchup for the O's. Hopefully, they'll be going for the sweep and have the series already wrapped up once they get to Sunday against Keller. And then I'll be back with you here on Monday, recapping all the action from the weekend series between the Pirates and the Orioles. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.